Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 70. The implementation of the PST2 in Europe has given light to the possibility of the non-financial service providers, so-called third parties providers, to offer account information and payments initiation services to banks' clients. My name is Bash Patel, editor at Trade Finance Globe. The current banking landscape is going through a makeover. PSD2 and open banking has its advantages, but there are also many opportunities to continue to level the playing field, share risks and revisit the rules. The pandemic has driven the acceleration of open banking from automatic IBAN and identifier checking to increased partnerships via APIs. Today, discussing the importance of open banking ecosystems and the need for global digital transformation from an Italian perspective, I'm joined by industry expert Liliana Frattini-Passi, Managing Director at CBI and Vice Chair of UN Sefact. Liliana, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thank you very much for this kind conversation. Thank you, Dikish, for the opportunity and to be here with the Trend Finance Global readers. Well, first of all, I would like to give you a brief introduction of myself. And as you already told, I'm the managing director of CBI, a public limited consortium company that comprises more than 400 PSP, payment service providers, as shareholders and customers. And in particular, CBI can be considered as an industry utility of the Italian banking community, which offers IT infrastructures and digital payments services from a B2B2C perspective to domestic and European PSP providers. And of course, in doing so, CBI acts as an aggregator of ecosystems, linking the banking industry with public administration, corporates, citizens, facilitating digital dialogue among all these players. Besides my role in CBI, I also contribute in some other activities, international activities in standard sector bodies. I'm referring to the United Nations Center of Trade Facilitation and Electronic Business, a UNC factor whereof I am the vice chair of the pay section of the International Supply Chain Program Development Area. So my task encompasses the management of the finance and payment and account and audit domains, as well as you can imagine the promotion of the UNC initiatives with some external stakeholders. I'm also an independent board of directors in some listed company. I also spend a lot of my energies, my commitment to promote the gender equality. So in this context, I was added to the list of the inspiring 15 for Italy, namely an acknowledgement for of 50 women working in technology and a STEM domain considered to be the inspiring 
for the broad public and being a role model for um, subjects like uh, technology, innovation and uh, STEM. And uh, in uh, July, uh, Forbes Italy has recognized me as one of the most 100 influential women in Italy. In terms of the current banking landscape in Italy, can you paint a picture of what that currently looks like. Worth talking about the Italian banking landscape. I think it is worth it to underline where we stand as a country today, thanks to the efforts promoted by the current government. Well, in my opinion, Mario Draghi, which is the Prime Minister, is using the whatever it takes approach to lead Italy out of the pandemic crisis and provide young generations with a brighter future. Well, in the second semester, Italy's GDP has uh, registered a sensible growth, reaching the results of 2.2%, outdoing highly industrialized economies such as Germany and France. A second element of success for our country is um, the rate of vaccinated people. Thus far, 64.3% of the population has been fully vaccinated. This data is above the European Union average, which is 57.8%. And Italy has performed better than other countries in this context. Additionally, Italy has become the first European country in which the government has recently strengthened obligation for workers to get the Green Pass in order to go to work at the office starting from 15 of next October. So having particularly suffered the first phase of pandemic crisis, Italy showed a relevant degree of resilience and being able to be back on track. And the real challenge will be to make the most out of the EU funds that have been allocated to Italy for the economic recovery. Well, against this background, the Italian banking market has undergone a strong digital acceleration over the last years. This is what happened, for example, in the payment sector with the adoption and implementation of the Payment Service Directive 2. The renewed EU regulatory payments framework has uh, paved the way for enhanced competition, allowing new players to become part of this new banking arena. And in particular, this is the case of new challenger banks, fintechs, big techs, companies that have emerged into the market by offering customized microservices capable to meet customer needs and uh, uh, compete against the incumbent traditional subjects. In this uh, competitive scenario, banks have made massive investments to update their business models according in particular to the new technology trends. And in doing so, not only they have underrated the IT system, but they have also started partnering with fintechs and startups to provide their customers with innovative solutions. Besides that, uh, banks uh, have made all the necessary efforts to achieve compliance, uh, renewed payments or normative framework. Most of them uh, have obtained the fallback exemption by the National Competent Authority, Bank of Italy, for us. I can say that uh, the developments uh, pushed in the last few years, uh, let me to say that uh, the Italian banking 
market has reached an advanced level of maturity, even though it has not reached yet its full potentiality. And at this point, I think that it would be important to keep an eye on the ongoing legislative evolution at the European Union level to understand what trends are going to be predominant in the next three, four years. And uh, being in line with the transition occurring at the EU and international level would enable Italian banks to further improve their offer and degree of competitiveness, both at domestic and global level. I guess CBI provides an international open banking system. Why specifically is open banking so important? Open banking has massively changed the way banking services are created and offered. Before PST2, I recall you the entering to force uh, in September 19. Well, before PST2, customers used to rely only on traditional banks to get banking-related products. In doing so, users shared their data with a bank with which they had an account. Open banking has completely changed this scenario, and uh, this new paradigm is based on a different data sharing model. The implementation of the PST2 in Europe has given light to the possibility of the non-financial service providers, so-called third parties providers, to offer account information and payments initiation services to banks' clients. Hence, customers can now utilize these products offered by the third-party providers without directly accessing their bank accounts. In this context, CBI has developed CBI Globe, an API-powered RegTech platform which supports roughly the 80% of the Italian banking system, almost uh, three more than 300 uh, banks, to meet the uh, operational requirements posed uh, by the PST2 and develop services uh, beyond uh, compliance. So CBI Globe allows banks to securely share their customers' online banking account data with more than 180 domestic and foreign third parties providers. So our platform, CBI Globe, has facilitated this interconnection so far. And the evolution of the open banking market in Italy is increasing. Since its launch, CBI Globe has registered more than 130 million of API calls. In this scenario, with the aim to go beyond the mere compliance, CBI equipped CBI Globe platform with active functionality, which enables payment service providers to operate as TPPs according to the clause of the PST2. Well, I would like to synthesize that in the renewed payments ecosystem, customers find themselves in the position to choose among a variety of services offered by a large array of players. In doing so, they can benefit from customized products designed to increase the user experience, especially with the provision of real-time services. Thanks very much. And I guess a lot of the digital transformation has really accelerated since the start of the pandemic. Is this correct? And are market participants continuing to push for change? There is no doubt that COVID-19 has fostered digitalization worldwide. 
However, it would be imprecise to claim that market participants have adopted trends towards digitalization only because of COVID-19. Talking about the payment sector, it is worth noting that PST2 was adopted in 2015 and implemented in 2019 in Europe. Therefore, the change towards an increased digital financial sector has started occurring previously to the current global health crisis. Already before 2020, to quote the retail payment strategy of EU, the act of payment pain had become less visible and increasingly dematerialized and disintermediated. However, it is not a secret to say that COVID-19 further incentivized the transition towards the use of digital technology, digital payments. For example, customers have started utilizing e-payments as a safe tool to make transactions by allowing customers not to be physical present in a store. Digital payments have enabled people to avoid occasion of infection while allowing them to keep purchasing as before. Nonetheless, the European market still results fragmented. This is why I believe it is important to back the efforts proposed by the European Commission to promote instant payment solutions and innovate the retail payments market by reviewing the PST2 and giving the light to an open finance legislative framework. If managed uh, properly, advanced technologies will be a driving force towards the digital transformation of the European economy and, and society, of course. It's quite a different landscape to when you and I spoke during Cybos in, in London 2019. And you can really see that imperative to really revisit PSD2 and really advancing instant payments. I guess on the contrary, we've seen an exponential increase in, in problematic pieces like fraud. Should clients be concerned about potential data privacy issues? And how has CBI been addressing the rise in fraud here? This is another important aspect. Data privacy is a very delicate issue that deserves to be carefully managed to safeguard the integrity data of customers and avoid any breach. Well, advanced digital technologies offer opportunities on an international scale, facilitating markets integration. On the other hand, the collateral effect of advanced technology is to become a tool capable to spread cyber threats throughout services users and providers. Nonetheless, in my experience, I have noticed the degree of attention that banks and payment service providers put on this topic and the way of behave accordingly by setting high security mechanisms and measures. So CBI is on the same wavelength as it seriously takes into account this aspect. This is why the company, first of all, is uh, oversight by the national authorities, so the Bank of Italy oversights uh, CBI, and the company at the same time has realized services that are based on the highest level of security to protect data clients and reduce the risk of frauds. On this point, I'm uh, glad to claim that CBI's uh, customers and shareholders have shown complete satisfaction with the way security aspects have been designed and implemented in the services offered by the company. How do clients benefit from the increased ability of banks to share information instantaneously? 
the possibility to share data with a large variety of banking and non-banking players makes it possible to shed light on the benefits stemming from the open finance. Imagine, for instance, those retail customers that are in the position to request and uh, receive a loan on a real-time basis or to subscribe online micro-insurances that can be activated on an exact moment on the subscription. Not to forget the possibility to make instant payments, which entails the possibility to transfer or receive money between banks' accounts in less than a few seconds. So these solutions offer multiple advantages to customers and underline, once again, the centrality of the customer in the open finance scenario. Talking about instant services, let me say a few words about a value-added services that has been realized by CBI at the beginning of the pandemic crisis. This is the case of the Check Ibon service, which connects the banking system with the public administration and corporates. Through this functionality, these players are enabled to check real-time the correctness of the association between an IBAN and a, a fiscal code or VAT number provided by an, a natural or legal entity. When the association is correct, the public administration can uh, issue fiscal bonuses to the requiring party, whereas the corporate allows a customer to sign a contract after having checked the validity of the data provided by the same customers, as well as pay a refund to final user in a secure way, for instance, insurance companies. So if the association is wrong, data have not been correctly associated or are missing, players are on the supply side, are real-time made aware of the outcome of this check. So these services has supported in Italy the public administration to provide entitled citizens and enterprises with fiscal bonuses to face the financial consequences provoked by the COVID-19 crisis. Now the service is also offered to the private sector does uh, supporting corporates in the process of subscription of services with their clients. So in conclusion, I would also like to underline the necessary links between efficiency and security. Providing real-time services should always go hand in hand with the respect of security measures to ensure the safety of online transactions made by customers. Thanks, Eliana. I think that's a really good example of using new technologies to help reduce risk, drive efficiency. So over 80% of Italy's financial services companies are already using CBI Globe. Question to you, what's deterring the remaining 20% from adopting the CBI ecosystem? First of all, I would like to recall you the difference between the UK and the Italian open banking market. Open banking in the UK was the result of the impetus provided by the government through the establishment of the open banking implementation entity 
in 2016. Conversely, CBI Globe is a market-driven initiative backed by the Bank of Italy, which has been launched by CBI in, in the late to 2018 and, of course, in production in 2019 to support the Italian banking industry to meet the technical and operational requirements imposed by the PST2. CBI Globe is, of course, recognized as a best practice at the European level, having been able to gather such a relevant constituencies, as I told you before, roughly 300 banks at the domestic level. Additionally, it is worth underlining that more than 183 TPPs use CBI Globe on a daily basis to carry out their open banking activities activities thus connected with the totally of the Italian banking community. Well, it is uh, possible to affirm that CBI Globe has been able to reduce market fragmentation thus resulting to be in line with the priority pointed out by the European institution. To go <laughs> directly to your question on the remaining 20%, it is important to note that uh, the banking market in Italy is characterized by a high degree of uh, innovation and competitiveness other players have decided to develop on their own software and IT solution to meet the requirements of PSC2. This is the case of Unicredit, which represents itself the 15% of the Italian banking market. It's to underline that being a pan-European institute, Unicredit decide to give light to its open banking platform, which includes all the national branches of the company. The rest of the domestic financial community, namely the 50%, has opted for different uh, open banking platforms due to already existing business connections with other commercial and IT partners. So it is uh, not easy to provide you with a unique reason to explain the reasons why 20% of the market decide to choose other options. So what I am able to share with you is my complete satisfaction for the work done so far by the financial institution, the financial community, and through CBI to provide the banking systems with a solid and cutting-edge API-powered platform that helped member financial institutions to save around 40% of the investment costs to achieve compliance with the PST2. Furthermore, thanks to CBI Globe solution provided by CBI, Italy is today best in practice country for the open banking in the pan-European landscape. Also, thanks to the activities pursued by CBI in reducing market fragmentation and the proliferation of access to account interfaces and related technical specifications. Further to what you mentioned earlier about IBAN checking, obviously onboarding new clients, especially on an individual basis, can be quite lengthy and, and expensive. How can smart onboarding and IBAN checking also help banks handle this challenge and how can the clients benefit from these value-added services? Onboarding processes can be lengthy, especially if uh, processed manually. This scenario entails different procedures that can be made concurrently that may lead to manual errors. Therefore, multiple checks need to be made in order to assess the correctness of data provided by clients. CBI aims at streamlining these procedures to the 
benefit of banks and their clients. This is why the company has come up with a smart, smart onboarding service. The user's application program interface the API as an ITP protocol to exchange real-time information. So the smart onboarding offers the opportunity to corporates to streamline the onboarding process by receiving clients' data by the financial intermediary possessing this information. They are collected by enabling the user to fill in an online format in which he can add his personal details. For instance, ID data, email address, mobile phone number, and so on. And the strength of the service lies in the capacity to link the banking community with the corporates allowing a seamless and real-time data sharing between two different ecosystems. Advantages provided by the service comprise the possibility to receive accurate and reliable data as well as the possibility to reduce uh, fraud risks as well. Going into those risks in a bit more detail and actually going back on your role as, as vice chair for UNSA fact, the level of fintech industry regulation is constantly debated and some state the regulation is too tight. What's your view on regulation and is regulation hindering innovation within the banking space? As you can imagine, we live in the EU, which uh, is a geographic area whose market is led by regulation. Therefore, I think that the role of the EU legislator is of utmost importance to guide market players towards a safe and ensure competition. A task of the EU legislator is to ensure the application of the principle, same activities, same risks, and same rules, thus guaranteeing a level playing field among incumbent and new markets players. So this is an aspect of paramount importance to ensure fair competition and allow each player to develop services. So far, regulation is leading innovation in fields that are not yet covered by the current legal framework. This is the case of the legislative proposal comprised, for instance, in the digital finance package with a particular focus to the proposed regulations uh, Digital Operational Resilience Act, DORA, and market in crypto assets, uh, MICA, I would say. So DORA is ongoing to uh, govern the digital operational resilience of financial intermediaries, thus imposing rules for the management of ICT risks. And this aspect is uh, extremely important to benefit from um, opportunities stemming from advanced technologies whilst equip banks and financial players with adequate instruments to face and tackle risk derived from the digital innovation. At the same time, Mika is going to discipline the use of the blockchain technology and crypto assets in the EU market, providing financial services providers with legal certainty and bespoke rules on the way to proceed in the years to come to develop safe and innovative crypto asset solutions. So without these pieces of legislation, it would be more difficult to have a coherent approach through the, the whole European Union. So in addition of that, I think that 
legislation is a necessary condition for the development of a single digital market. On this point, I'm also looking forward to seeing the result of the review of the PST2, the, uh, waiting for the PST3, and the proposal uh, of an open finance regulation, which is supposed to be issued at mid-22. It's always about having that balance between providing that safety net and those boundaries versus innovating and providing an excellent customer experience. And and you're right, for sure, we'll definitely see that when we take into account and review PSD2 and then the upcoming PSD3. Now, very conscious of time is getting towards the end of this podcast, but I wanted to end with this final question for you, Liliana. What's next for CBI Globe and for open banking in your view? CBI is willing to promote the expansion of CBI Glow, of course, in the international market, already with the active functionality of CBI Glow, which enables member and some other payment service providers to operate, to act as third parties providers. CBI is connected with a few pan-European financial intermediaries. So currently, we are working to liaise with other relevant international stakeholders and launch partnerships accordingly. So consider the added value of services promoted by CBI through CBI Globe and emerging opportunities offered by the financial survey market. I think that the upcoming months will CBI at the forefront of innovation. To this end, I would like to recall the efforts promoted by our company in developing value-added services from a B2, business-to-business-to-consumer perspective, so B2B2C perspective. This aspect is extremely relevant for the competition of uh, the banking community as it allows uh, payment service providers to reach out uh, to a variety of stakeholders, including the public administration, corporate and retail consumers to offer a cutting edge of competitive functionalities. In my opinion, of course, open banking will need to evolve towards a more balanced paradigm in which a level playing field is achieved among all market players. This scenario would entail the application of the principle, same activities, same risks, and same rules, thus leading non-banking players operating in the payment sector to share data with the traditional market players, the so-called incumbent. On this point, I would like to underline the relevance of legislative evolution, which is undergoing at the European level. The proposed renewal of the ADAS regulation together with the digital finance package and the digital service package will for sure provide the market with new rules to lead innovation and and to govern competition, facilitating consumers to access financial services and providers to benefit from a less fragmented digital single market. This scenario will pave the way, of course, for market-driven initiatives based on existing and new standards, which will facilitate the exchange of financial messages and foster the use of instant service as the new norm. Thank you very much, Deepesh, for this very interesting opportunity for the company for CBI. Thanks, Liliana. And I guess since our last conversation at Cybos London, I think the innovative landscape for open banking across Europe is really changing and it continues to change and evolve with those customer needs. And I think you're right, it really is about leveling 
that playing field, sharing the risks and sharing the rules and finding that balance is, is quite delicate, but it's hugely important. But look, it's incredible to see some of the advances at CBI, CBI Globe, and really seeing the CBI ecosystem continue to grow from direct to strength. So thank you, Liliana, for joining us on Trade Finance Talks. Until next time. Grazie. Thank you, Deepesh. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.